Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the North Point Community Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free North Point app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at North Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning. So great to be with you. For anybody joining us online, uh, and if just walking in, my name is Samer. I get to serve as a lead pastor at Woodstock City Church, part of the North Point family, and I'm so excited to hang with you guys for the course of this series. Bend, don't break. I want to tell you really quickly where the inspiration for this series came from, where the idea came from. Me and my wife, Julie, we've got three kids four and under, and so inspiration comes from a lot of amazing places, as you can imagine, in my house. And uh, one of them specifically, we've been really obsessed with a movie over the past year, um, Disney's Encanto. I don't know if there's any Encanto fans. Um, Yep, yep, way more. You're just too ashamed to say it. We are obsessed with Encanto, specifically the soundtrack. Love the music. And so one day, me and my wife, we're, we're driving to my parents' house, and we're listening to the soundtrack. My choice not my kids. And there was one particular song. It's my favorite one. It's called Surface Pressure. And it's all about one of the sisters in the movie feeling like she's carrying all the weight of the family and she's got to hold it all in. She's not okay on the inside, but she's got to act like she's okay on the inside. And we're driving and and I was trying to figure out what I was going to be preaching on. And, and, And she said this line, Ben, don't break. And right there in the car, I was like, babe, that's what I want to preach on. She's like, Encanto? It's like, no. No, no, no. That idea, bend, don't break. Because I can feel it. And I think people can feel it too. Now, bending is certainly better than breaking. If you played sports, a defense that bends but doesn't break, doesn't give up the big play, that's a good thing. And bending is better than breaking, right? It's a sign of resiliency and flexibility. That's a good thing. But where I want to go over the course of the next few weeks of this series is that we as human beings were not created to constantly live in a state of bend, don't break. That you and I were not created to constantly live bending and bending and bending without any chance to rest, without any chance to catch our breath, and without any chance to figure out what's really going on on the inside rather than just faking it on the outside. Because here's what's true for you, and here's what's true for me, is that almost anything that bends long enough will break, especially you and especially me. And you and I were not created to always bend, 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 because eventually something's got to give. And, And maybe you can relate to this idea, but here's what bending and not breaking feels like. It feels a lot like surviving, but not thriving. Like you're just kind of making it. Like when you're surviving and not thriving, you're operating at a deficit constantly. And nobody might know it except you. You can feel it on the inside, always drained, batteries always low. Um, Surviving and not thriving is when nothing seems to be getting your best. Just feels like nothing is getting everything that you've got. You're not able to give anything your best. It's when you always feel like you're behind. 
Even if, even if you feel like you're getting ahead, you still feel like you get behind. Um, there's never enough time to do everything that you need to do. You stress and you worry. And if you're like me, you're not even quite sure what you're stressed and worried about. <laughs> Surviving, not thriving feels a lot like I'm just holding the line, trying to keep it all together. Or another way to think about it, I'm just going to, just keeping it together until I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to keep it all together until that project at work is over. Then, then I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to keep it all together until that class is over and I'm done with those exams and everything is, is going to be okay. Like we just think, I just, I just got to keep it all together until the kids get on whatever stage they've decided to be in. I just, I've just got to keep it all together until I've, I've got more time. Until my marriage has figured out this rut that we found ourselves in. I've just, I've just got to keep it together until I can get more sleep. I've just, I've just got to keep it together until the market turns around. I, I've just got to keep it together until the political candidate that I want gets in office. For all of us, there's this other thing on the other side of the until. And there's a part of us that thinks, okay, as long as I just get there, it's going to fix it. But isn't it so true? You know this. You know there's something deep down inside of you that knows I might get to the other side of that until of whatever I'm hoping for, but you know it's not going to fix it. It might feel good momentarily and it might distract you temporarily, but you know it's not going to fix it. In fact, if you're being honest, some of you have gotten to the other side of that until and it didn't fix it. It was still a lot of surviving and not thriving. Bending, bending, and bending. And I don't know about you, but for me, life has felt a lot like this. Tell me if you can relate, that we're, we're just overwhelmed. People are just overwhelmed. You might be feeling overwhelmed. And by overwhelmed, I mean you're carrying so much. We're carrying so much. There are decisions on decisions on decisions that you have to make. Decisions for yourselves, decisions for your employees at work, decisions for your kids, decisions for your spouse. There's a mental load, a mental overload, an overworking that is just exhausting. You're carrying so much. Um, because of technology, we're carrying work home and it's so hard to unplug, right? You're carrying that out of control group text with you everywhere you go. Um, you're carrying so much. There are so many people that need you. Your, your, your kids need you. People at work need you. Your aging parents need you. Your adult kids still need you. So, so many people need you. My wife sent, sent me this Instagram post and it said, um, being a mom, being a mom is like jumping out of an airplane with five other people and they don't know how to use their parachute. So you pull the parachute of everybody, but you don't pull yours. You hit the ground, but you don't die. You get up and cook dinner. <laughs> All the moms, he, I love him. He gets me. <clears throat> You're carrying so much. Parenting, single parenting carrying so much. The pressure to be great at work, the pressure to want to get it right parenting your kids. You're carrying what your student is carrying, just like any good parent would. There's so much tension and difficulty. That is just life. The drama in that relationship, the breakup that almost wiped you out. Somebody is sick and is not doing well. You got to figure out how to pay for this, living up to the expectations of people. The mental load that you're carrying is overwhelming. 
carrying so much. We're also over committed. We're doing so much, doing so much. And busyness, isn't this so true? Busyness is now a status symbol in our world. Like you're more important if you're busy. How are you doing? Just busy, yeah. Busy, busy, busy. Way busier than you. Just busy, you're doing something. I don't even know what I'm busy with. I'm just, I'm just busy, I'm going, right? Something in us, and this should be a warning sign, something in us doesn't feel okay to stop. Something in us doesn't, we feel unsettled if we're not busy. And for some of you, you're busy because your kids are so busy. You've got seven practices, Monday to Tuesday. You're just dry, you're, you're, a, you're an Uber for your kids, right? You're just going from thing to thing. For, for some of you, you say yes to everything because you're afraid to miss anything. We're managing this, that, and the other, a full counter. We're doing so much. For so many of us, we operate with very little to no margin in life. But here, here's, how, here, here's, a, here's a common emotion. How many of you look forward to a weekend where you've got absolutely nothing to do? You've got it circled and it's five weeks away. <laughs> because we're, we're doing so much. And I'm not even saying it's all bad. Just the reality of where we find ourselves. We are doing so much. We're not only overwhelmed and overcommitted, but we're also overexposed. We're overwhelmed. We're carrying so much. We're overcommitted. We're doing so much. But overexposed, we're also processing so much. We as humans are processing more information on any given day than any other humans in the history of the world. And we are processing it at a rate because of technology in a way like never before, right? Our smartphones and our laptops and our TVs. I mean, we're seeing news and notifications and everything that happens from anywhere and everywhere around the world, whether we want to see it or not. We're processing so much information. I was in a conversation a little while back and someone asked me, like, hey, it just, it just made a statement. It just feels like the world is getting worse. And I said, I don't, I don't know if it's getting worse. There's been some pretty dark periods in our history. I just feel like we're, in a, like we're in a state of the world where we can see all the bad that is going on all over the world in an instant and in real time. Like there are things that create stress, anxiety, and even fear in us that are happening all the way on the other side of the world. We're processing so much. And then social media, right? I mean, a social tool of comparison, unlike anything the world has ever seen, we're, we're measuring up and we're sizing up and we're comparing. I'm better than, I'm less than. We're just processing so much. We're overwhelmed. We're overcommitted. We're overexposed. And what that starts to do is it starts to take a toll on you and a toll on me. That our bodies our minds, and even our wills were never meant to be exerted to the degree to which they are constantly exerted day in and day out. And what starts to happen, and come on, you felt this. You felt this, whether you're a person of faith or, or, or not. You felt this. It begins to disrupt your peace. It begins to disrupt your joy. And it begins to disrupt your rhythm. It's like your life feels like that one person that can't clap on beat. That's what it feels like. And what starts to happen to you and to me, ultimately, the, the, the compilation of all of that, the overexertion and overstimulation of our minds and our wills and our bodies, is there begins to be a fatigue that we experience that goes far beyond anything physical. 
It's a fatigue that goes far beyond just the physical and it begins to affect the inner depths of our souls. In fact, um, there's research done on this. Researchers call this type of fatigue ego depletion. Ego depletion, a type of fatigue that goes far beyond just the physical. In fact, this is what research have observed in, in different um, uh, research that they've done. They've observed that people who experience ego depletion, they're more tired and experience more negative emotion. They, they, they found that um, people operating in an ego depleted state, when they watch a sad movie, they're extra sad. The, the, the people who are depleted, operating out of a depleted state, they um, experience less satisfying relationships, especially with those that they're closest to, that those who are experiencing ego depletion, when faced with challenges, the, the, the research has revealed that when faced with challenges or difficult assignments at work or at school are more likely to fail or turn in lower quality work, it's not getting their best. This is fascinating. Those experiences, ego depletion, the, the physical part of the brain, the anterior cingulate cortex that is in charge of self-control, it literally experiences a slowdown. And people, when facing temptation, are more likely to give in or do things that they normally wouldn't do. It's an inward condition. And you don't even need me to tell you the research because you get this. You understand this. Because you're human and because life is hard. The load of life is a lot. It's an inward condition of the soul. And, and, and here's the problem. Here's the problem is that more sleep won't fix it. Another vacation won't fix it. How many of you need a vacation from your vacation? Right? Like more time isn't going to fix it. Behaving kids won't fix it. Um, a Netflix binge isn't going to fix it. An Amazon shopping spree won't fix it. Another bottle of wine won't fix it. And here's where this comes into view for all of us. Again, whether you're a person of faith or not, we, we, all, we all get this. Is it doesn't have to be anything catastrophic to happen in your life to get to this space. No, no, bending and not breaking is the daily grind that is life. The daily grind that is parenting. The daily grind that is work. The daily grind that is wading through all the mess and difficulty that life throws at you. And it takes a toll. Bending, but not breaking. But there's only so long with which we can stay there. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, he gives us an invitation that I believe is the remedy. He gives us an invitation that is a lifeline that we need, a lifeline that maybe you didn't even know you needed. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, he's speaking to some of his disciples and his followers. And he says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, an invitation, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Hey, come to me, all of you who are weary, those of you exhausted from the striving, those of you that are exhausted from the working and the doing and the comparing and the keeping up with and the living up to and the being available for and the going and the going and the going. You that are weary, yeah, 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 come to me. And those of you that are burdened, loaded down by the weight of life. Those of you wading through the difficulty, 
navigating the expectations, working through the breakup, figuring things out with your child. Those of you that are burdened, come to me. Come to me, those of you that are overwhelmed by the load of life. Come to me and I will give you rest. He goes on and he expounds upon the invitation. Verse 29, he says, so I want you to take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Those two ideas connected. For I am gentle and humble in heart. So this is actually, interestingly, the only place in all the gospels where Jesus tells us about his heart. And whenever in the scriptures, someone talks about their heart, they're basically talking about the totality of who they are. And so Jesus, he's saying, hey, for those of you that are weary and burdened, let me tell you a little bit about my heart for you. My heart is gentle, meaning not harsh, not easily frustrated or impatient. See you. Humble. Your translation might say lowly, meaning Jesus, who is God, lowered himself, humiliated himself and took on flesh made himself available and accessible to you and to me. And this Jesus, whose heart is for you and for me, whose heart is for those that are weary and burdened and loaded down by the weight of life, says, come to me and take my yoke and learn from me. In a, in a first century context that Jesus was teaching this in, um, in an agrarian society, like the idea of a yoke would have been very, very, like they would have understood that for us, right? Um, we don't live, like not everybody um, is in the agriculture world, right? And so this is what a yoke is, okay? A yoke um, is, is a, a piece of farming equipment and it would um, yoke, you would link two animals together to carry the weight, to carry the load. Um, they might even carry a piece of farming equipment and till up the ground behind them. Now, this image would have been very prevalent um, in the first century, specifically with rabbis. Now, a rabbi in, in the Jewish context was a teacher. A rabbi was a teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And what rabbis would do, and they had followers and disciples, they would teach people essentially how to be human and how to bear the weight of life through the eyes of what to do with the law of God. The law of God, um, which was given um, to the nation of Israel, to the Jews. And it was, hey, you keep this law to stay in right standing with God. And so a common idiom, again, a yoke, you would bear the weight and shoulder the weight of something. For a rabbi, what they had, what was known as the yoke of the law. Here's, here's what a yoke is, okay? For the, metaphorically and figuratively for a rabbi. It was a rabbi's reading, understanding, and application of Torah, the law of God, to one's life. So it was their teaching and their understanding of how to shoulder the weight of life by applying God's law to their lives. It was their teaching on how to be human, and navigate and shoulder the weight of life. But here's what any first century um, audience listening to Jesus would have felt. The yoke of the law, the yoke of the law, which is what rabbis would have, a phrase that was constantly used, that image was constantly used. The yoke of the law was heavy. The yoke of the law was a burden because the law was basically detailed commands on how to stay okay with God. It was 600 plus commands and then they added commands to them. There were oral commands that weren't even written down. They built fences around commands so you couldn't even get close to breaking those commands. It was burdensome. It was detailed and it was impossible to live up to. A rabbi's yoke was heavy. 
It was burdensome. They were always going to fail and religious burnout was often. So Jesus is speaking to people who would have understood a rabbi's yoke. Okay, how do I understand and apply God's law to my life and I can never get it right, weary and burdened. And then Jesus to them says something revolutionary. He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Not just for your physical body, it's deeper than that. And my yoke isn't going to be a burden. My yoke isn't going to make you weary. No, no, no. When you take my yoke and you learn from me, learn from me how to shoulder the weight and the load that is life, you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because Jesus goes on, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every rabbi had a yoke. Jesus having a yoke was not unique. What made Jesus's yoke unique was that it was easy and it was light. Because here's what Jesus was communicating to them. Jesus came into this world to offer a brand new way for humanity to relate to God. Jesus came into the world to establish a brand new way in which we would be connected to God. And it was not going to be by law keeping through some kind of religion. Jesus came to offer a relationship established by grace. And so Jesus is looking at all of these first century followers. Some of them are just curious, but they certainly would try to keep the law of God. He's saying, I've come to bring something brand new. And it's not because the law was bad. It's because we're bad. It's because I'm bad. It's because we could never fulfill the law. But Jesus came to fulfill the law on our behalf and instead offer us a relationship based on grace. Now, what do you do in a relationship? You walk with the other person. Jesus was telling them and he's telling you, hey, I've got a brand new yoke to show you and I want you to learn from me. I've got a brand new way for you to shoulder the weight of life and it does not just depend on how good you are and it does not just depend on your ability. No, 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 no. I'm going to introduce a brand new factor into the equation of carrying the load of life and that factor is me. Jesus understood there was no escaping the weight that is life, because life is hard. But don't miss this. Watch this. The invitation of Jesus was not to make life easier. The invitation of Jesus was to make the burden and the load lighter. The yoke. Farmers would yoke two animals together, two ox together, and they would share the weight, share the burden. And oftentimes what a farmer would do whenever they had a smaller or weaker or less experienced ox, they would yoke it to a bigger, stronger, more experienced ox. And the bigger, stronger, more experienced ox, watch this, would set the pace for the smaller, weaker, less experienced ox. The bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would actually increase the capacity of the smaller, weaker, less experienced ox. The bigger, stronger, more experienced ox would set the right course, would shoulder more of the weight than necessary and help the smaller, weaker, less experienced ox finish 
the job. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come be yoked to me. Don't miss this. Jesus was not inviting them and he's not inviting you and me into a little break room and the water cooler of heaven and then just kind of scoot us back out and say, all right, now go try again. Let me know if you need anything. Jesus is inviting us. He's calling us to, and for some of us, calling us back to discipleship, following him, walking with him and learning from him, spending time with him and learning his ways, learning his rhythms, learning his priorities so that we can rest in his grace. And he promises to shoulder and bear the weight with us. He's saying, come be connected to me because I'm going to give you and show you a brand new way to shoulder the weight of life. The yoke of the law would have felt a lot like this. Obey the rules. Don't mess up or else. Now the world has a yoke. The world teaches us how to shoulder and carry the weight and the load of life. And it sounds like this, the yoke of the world, just do more. Work more. It's worth it. Earn more. Eventually, you're going to understand why you kept working. Medicate it. Don't tell anybody. Keep bending. Just fake it. But the yoke of Jesus that wants to come restore your soul and mine. Let me help. Learn my ways. Rest in my grace. You have nothing to prove. Walk with me. Jesus is saying, don't strive alone. Don't work alone. Don't navigate the complexity of life alone. Don't bet on any other way of living to lead you to the fulfillment that you desire other than what I can offer. Because you're running at an unsustainable pace. Your capacity is limited without me. You can't push through on your own. We've all tried. And Jesus is inviting us. Hey, come walk with me. Come learn from me. Come watch me. I'll go with you. And I'll shoulder the weight. One of the best books that I've read in the past five years is a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is his color commentary on Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He writes this. He says, people all over the world, outside the church and in, whether you're a person of faith or not, outside the church and in, are looking for an escape, a way out from under the crushing weight of life this side of Eden. But you know this. There is no escaping it. The best the world can offer is a temporary distraction to delay the inevitable or deny the inescapable. That's why Jesus doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us something far better, equipment. 
He offers his apprentices or his followers, those learning his ways, a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity with ease at his side, like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting. At his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. Best way I can sum it up, your soul is at its best when you come to Jesus for rest. Your soul is at its best. Your soul is healthiest. Your soul is most full when we come to Jesus for rest so that we can rest from the striving, rest from the proving, rest from the worrying and rest from the hurting so that we can rest in his grace. Rest in his promises, his strength, his sovereignty, his hope, his presence, and his love. And being yoked to Jesus, and this is where we're going to go kind of for the rest of the series, being yoked to Jesus, walking in and learning in his ways means that no matter what we face on this side of eternity, we walk through it with hope because of the resurrection that no matter where we go, he sent his spirit to live inside of us, to guide us and to strengthen us. That to be yoked to Jesus is to understand I can't do life by myself. So he created this thing called the church, not the building, the people, so that I could do life in community with one another. That being yoked to Jesus is when your relationships get better because that's what happens when you value the other person above yourself. That being yoked to Jesus is keeping the right things in view, the right priorities in view. Being yoked to Jesus is when you and I get to operate in the freedom of I've got nothing to prove. My yoke, Jesus says, this new way, this new teaching on how to carry the load of life. And it doesn't just depend on you. And it doesn't just depend on me. And my way leads to rest. There's no escape, but I'm going to offer you equipment. And I'm going to do the heavy lifting. Here's what's true for all of us. You are going to be yoked to something. You will carry the load of life one way or another. The question is whether or not it will be with Jesus by your side doing the heavy lifting. The invitation is there. The choice is yours. Will you surrender whatever yoke you've been connected to and come to Jesus, rest in his way, at his pace, learn his way in his rhythm. Can I be vulnerable with you for a minute? Can I tell you what this means for me? For me, what this looks like is surrendering the world's definition of success for me. Is me 
surrendering what the world would deem successful. Because for me, right, the world would say, hey, to be successful, then you've got to grow your influence. You've got to grow your social media following. You're only as good as your last sermon. Your church has to grow. You've got to go, go, go and do, do, do so you can achieve, achieve, achieve. And when I am operating connected to that yoke, can I just tell you, My motivations are off. I'm not my healthiest self. My family, my most important ministry takes a back seat and my view of Jesus is all sorts of distorted. But when I disconnect from the yoke of the world that wants to define what success is and I reconnect to the ways of Jesus who is just saying to me, hey, listen, this isn't about you. In fact, this thing doesn't depend on you. You've got nothing to prove to me, which means you've got nothing to prove to anybody else. So I just want you to be faithful where you are and trust me with the rest. When I operate out of that, I get to be who God created me to be, the healthiest version, the best husband, the best father, and sometimes a pretty decent pastor. So what do you need to surrender? What yoke are you connected to? And it's causing the bending and you're on your way to breaking. And if you're not a Jesus follower, consider this, an invitation that you've run to a bunch of different things and you've tried to different ways to fix this and of no fault of your own, they just haven't panned out. We've all been there. Maybe there's something in Jesus that you never knew you needed. Maybe there's a new rhythm, a new pace, a new grace, a different kind of rest that he can offer you that no one and nothing else can. What is it that you need to surrender? Now look, I get it. Surrender is scary. Y'all, I don't even like not driving when I'm in the car. (laughs) Surrender is scary. For me, it's scary because then Surrendering what the world would deem successful. Maybe the world wouldn't deem me successful. Surrender is scary. But can I just encourage you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you also surrender the load of your life to Jesus. And you don't need me to tell you that you can't do it on your own. Which is why there's a savior who came to give you everything that he's got, to establish a relationship where he walks with you, he shows you, we can lean in. He wants to carry and shoulder the weight. So the invitation is there. The choice is yours. Bending and not breaking is a good thing. But we were not created to constantly bend, bend, and bend, which is why Jesus came to offer us a chance to get rest, to offer us a chance to replenish and restore the deepest parts of our souls. Jesus came to give you your breath back, to show you a new pace, a new way, to give you a new rhythm, and to give you your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that in the weary lives that we live and the burdens that we carry, you chose to come close. You've offered to carry the weight with us. You sent Jesus. So Father, I pray you would give each of us the courage to ask the difficult questions, to figure out what we might need to surrender and where we might need to unyoke ourselves from one way of thinking and be connected to the Savior of the world that came to give us everything. He laid his life down to make a relationship possible. I pray we would lean in. I pray you'd meet us at the point of our pain, the point of our struggle, and you'd illuminate for us in the way of Jesus a new way to walk, a new way to live, and a new way to trust and hope. Thank you for seeing us in the bending. And thank you for coming close even in the breaking. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.